just want to welcome again everybody here today uh, to Grace Life. Isn't it good to be together this morning? And I love that we get to sing together too. That's one of the reasons why getting together and meeting together as we are is, is such, a, such a valuable thing is because we get to all encourage one another. As the scripture says with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. And as we sing to one another... You know, I was so thankful, I, I told Dan this morning, I said, Dan, I'm thankful that you picked that song, Firm Foundation, because I think it just fits so well with uh, what we're going to be looking at in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. We've been studying through Hebrews the last few uh, weeks and a couple months now, and we're going to continue this morning in Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, beginning in verse 1, but before before I go there, I just wanted to encourage us, as we're singing together, to not underestimate the value of what that, what that does, because really singing together is not just, we're not just singing songs, but we're actually discipling one another as we speak the truth to one another of the gospel and the truths of what Christ has done for us. And so the way that we, when we, when we do what we do this morning, and as, as, as these guys that have come here to serve us this morning through the music... It's, it's such a privilege to be able to, uh, to be in this environment, to be in this atmosphere that we can encourage and disciple one another, not only as the word is being spoken, and, and, and I'm praying that the Lord will give me grace to bring his word this morning, but, but also through the music, also through the songs. And that's one of the things that uh, I desire for us as a church, that we would sing songs that are explicit about the truth of our faith and what God has done for us in Christ and songs that that help us to to bring language and expression to what uh, it is that God has done for us and also how we can express our thanksgiving back to him. And there's so many wonderful songs, so many old songs that are wonderful, new songs that are wonderful, and everything in between. So I'm going to be inviting the, the, the team to come up again um, in just a little bit this morning to continue to lead us. But uh, why don't we bow our heads in, in prayer for a minute. Lord, thank you again for today. That your mercies are new this morning, Lord, and your faithfulness is great. Father, I pray that as we look at your word today in Hebrews chapter 11, really the whole book of Hebrews, Lord, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, that we would see wonderful things in your word, that most of all, Lord, that we would see Christ. Christ is our life, and Christ is our hope. Christ is everything that we need. And Lord, without him, we have nothing. So Lord, we we ask that you'd give us grace to see Christ this morning in your word, and that you'd be with uh, be with me, Lord, as, I, as I'm speaking this morning, Lord. I'm just a frail, weak vessel, Lord. I, I don't have anything without you. I need your grace, Lord. So we, we ask that you would just pour out your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 1, and we're just going to keep the passage very short today. Uh, we're going to continue in this chapter next week, but Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 1, you'll see it on the screen there. It says, now faith is the assurance 
of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. I was about to say condemnation. Commendation. (laughs) (laughs) Commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, I don't know where all of you are at this morning. I don't know where, where you're at today. Maybe you walked in here this morning and, and maybe you're on a mountaintop. You're in a mountaintop season. Your circumstances are bright. You're eager to take on whatever lies ahead. And praise God for that. When we're on the mountaintop, that's a wonderful place to be. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. And maybe on the other hand, maybe you've, you've had a terrible week. Or maybe you've had a terrible string of weeks. Feeling beaten up and worn out. Hanging by a thread. Afflicted by your own failures and maybe opposition from people around you. Maybe voices of condemnation and accusation. Maybe that even made it hard for you to make it out the door this morning. I don't know. I don't know where you're at this morning, but let me start by saying that I'm glad you're here. It's good that you're here this morning, no matter where you're at. We come as we are. Amen? Amen. We come weak, we come broken, we come rejoicing, but we come as we are. And if there's one thing that everybody learns in this life, it's that things change. Change is the, very, is the constant in this life. People change. Circumstances change. Seasons change. And in my case, even sermon notes change. <laughs> I was up late, late last night, <clears throat> kind of rewriting my, uh, my sermon for this morning. That's uh, one of my afflictions. I tend to not be able to uh, get my notes together (laughs) until the last minute, but the Lord is faithful. And as I was studying for this passage this week and and last night, just believing the Lord to to direct my words and to give me grace to say what he would want us to hear this morning, There's that truth that things change. And we learn over time that not much that we invest our time and our energy in is permanent. Our health changes. Our cars break down. Our stuff wears out. We all know this. Can anyone say amen? (laughs) And yet today, right now, in the here and now, there is something permanent that we can hold on to. There's something permanent right now in which to plant our faith. We can't see it with our physical eyes. We can't reach out and touch it with our hands. We can't literally hear it or taste it but yet it's, it's, it's still there. It's more real than we could imagine. 
And so as we've been studying through this book of Hebrews, we've, we've seen how the old covenant system of priests and, and sacrifices was not permanent. The blood of bulls and goats could never take away sins. It could only serve as a temporary cover. The work was never done under that old covenant system. The priest could never rest because something permanent was needed. Let's see if I can get this music stand to stay up here. Something permanent was needed. And the entire theme of the epistle to the Hebrews is built around the word better. How God's revelation in Christ is better. It's superior to the revelation that came through the law. And its theme, just like that of Romans and Galatians, is that we are saved by faith in the sacrifice of Christ. Our salvation is by faith in his sacrifice. And this new revelation in Christ has superseded that old system, that old covenant system, because the coming of the substance has made that shadow obsolete. And I love how Caleb, a few weeks ago, gave us the example of the first Apple computer. can't even remember. What was it called, Caleb? The, uh, the, the Apple II. The, the yeah, I was putting him on the spot there. I couldn't remember. But how obsolete that is now. If we tried to run the new operating system on that old Apple C2 or whatever it's called. <laughs> 2C or something. But the coming of that substance has made the shadow obsolete. And we read about this as we were studying recently in, in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, 10 and verse 5 through 10. And we can put that on the screen if you guys have that. It says this, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. And then this, the Christ, he says, then I said, this being Christ, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. You see, Christ established something better. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, by that will, it says in verse 10, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I don't know about you, but that's good news. Amen? amen? <laughs> that's right, Tom. I heard Tom say amen in the back. It's good news. That is good news. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And that is what's permanent. Around us, everything changes. Around us, things change constantly. But what is permanent? The offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Well, that, that's too easy, someone might say. There's, there's got to be more to it than that. And you see, soon we discover that there's a spirit of opposition to that message there's an enemy who's out to undermine and attack the simplicity 
and the purity of the gospel. But I hope you know today that it's a good fight that we're in. It's called the fight of faith. And our faith is called a shield for a reason. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, it says, taking up the shield of faith. One well-known Bible teacher describes it this way. He says, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, he accuses us, not only before God, but in our own conscience also. He says things like, you have sinned, you keep on, and you keep on sinning. Your heart is too hard, and God can't have anything more to do with you. This is his argument. And our temptation is to look within, and in, and in self-defense, we, we, we try to find within ourselves, in our feelings or in our behavior, some ground for believing that Satan is wrong. But I want you to hear this today, that our salvation lies in the fact that the blood which Jesus, our great high priest, offered has met the whole situation created by our sin and has answered it once for all. Amen? Amen. (laughs) And that is the sure foundation on which we stand. Never should we try to answer Satan with our good conduct, but always with the blood. The blood of Jesus is God's final word regarding sin, and the blood is God's final word in securing every spiritual blessing we have in heavenly places. Yes, we still sin, but praise God, the blood has already been spilled, and we are forgiven. You are forgiven this morning. And cleansed from all unrighteousness. God looks upon the blood whereby his son has met the charge and paid the debt in full. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washes, he washed it white as as snow. Hallelujah. Jesus is our priest forever. And the Lord will not change his mind. After making sacrifice for sins, it says he sat down. And he ever lives to intercede for us. You see, his life is indestructible. He is the guarantor, scripture says, he's the guarantor of a better covenant. And you and I have a promise this morning that our sins will never be counted against us as long as he lives. I don't know about you, but that deserves a praise. Doesn't that deserve a praise? Man, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is sworn and will not change his mind. The promise that we have is that our sins will never be counted against us as long as he lives. So that when you and I stand before God on that day, we have a strong and perfect plea a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is written on his heart and my name is graven on his hands and I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. 
No tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts you to despair and tells you of the guilt within and me, upward we look and we see him there who made an end of all our sin. Because the sinless Savior died, our sinful souls are counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. Praise God. Behold him there this morning. Behold him there, the risen lamb. My perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. You remember that song? We sing it often here. Martin Luther, one of his famous words, as he encouraged those he was influencing, he said, when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares you deserve death in hell, tell him, I admit that I deserve death in hell, and what of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction in my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, there I shall be also. We need to remember today that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. What does that mean? It means he's, he's able to save completely. To the uttermost, all those who draw near to God through him. Our salvation is in Christ this morning. And so we come to chapter 11 in verse 1, and we read this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, what does this mean for us as New Covenant believers? What does the author mean by the term faith here in verse 1? If we look in verse 2, right after that, it says, For by it, meaning faith, the people of old received their commendation. I think this morning I would describe it this way, that faith has eyes. Faith looks at something. Faith needs an object. And the object of faith is where, our is where our confidence comes from. You see, faith is not some force or power that we can work up like a muscle. It's not something to be ginned up like, like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz when, you know, she, she clicked her heels together and, you know, I believe, I believe, there's no place like home, there's no place like home, Right? almost as if it was some kind of magic formula. You see, faith is not itself the object. Our, our faith is not in our faith. You know, that, that faith and faith stuff is, is, is powerless nonsense. Perhaps someone might say to you, well, well, you just need to believe harder. Well, how do you believe something harder? I mean, you either believe it or you don't. Michael Kruger, in his commentary on Hebrews, said this, that faith is about trusting something outside of ourselves. And here is where we can see what makes faith so powerful, what makes faith work. 
It's what you put your faith in, not how much of it you have. Sinclair Ferguson explained it this way. He said, true faith takes its character and quality from its object and not from itself. Faith gets a man out of himself and into Christ. Its strength, therefore, depends on the character of Christ. And even those of us who have weak faith, come on. Welcome to the fellowship of the weak. Even those of us who have weak faith have the same strong Christ as others. Amen? Amen. He is the object of our faith. And the book of Hebrews is clear that Jesus in his finished work is superior and it is perfect. It will never need to be repeated. It will never ever be taken back. And therefore, that is the only worthy object of our faith. Kenneth Wiest, uh, in his expanded translation of the New Testament, he renders the passage, verse 1 here, this way in Hebrews. He says, Now faith is the title deed of things hoped for, the proof of things which are not being seen. The dictionary defines title deed as as a legal deed or or document constituting evidence of a right, especially to ownership of property. Now, I remember one back in the day when I purchased my first car, and uh, you know I got the keys and I, I thought, man, I'm ready. Let's take off. I got this car. This is my car, man. But I didn't realize that uh, I needed something still. I needed the title. Because uh, the title was the proof that I was now the owner of that car, right? I couldn't legally prove that I owned that car unless I had the title. So we could render this verse, now faith is the title deed of things hoped for and the proof of things which are not being seen. And thank God this morning that we have the title deed to what we hope for and what we can't yet see. We build our lives on it. Now you might think, well, what are these things in this verse? What are the things that, that, that are being hoped for here? What are, what are the things that are not seen? For the people of old, it was all still to come. It was all future. It was all in the future. These people of old, in verse 2, that says they were commended because for their faith, it says they, they really they believed what was revealed to them by God at the time, and they looked forward by faith in God's promises. And it's amazing, it says, yet they all died, these died in faith, not having received what was promised. But see, you and I today, we're living in an age when the new covenant, or as Hebrews says in chapter 9, verse 10, the time of reformation has already been inaugurated, but has yet to be consummated. A lot of times people refer to this as the, we live in the, in the already and not yet. 
So for us today, there is both a forward-looking aspect to our faith and a backward-looking aspect to our faith. Because we see Christ, who has already come, Christ has already been crucified, Christ has already risen, having left us with the down payment, the first fruits of the Spirit, who testifies to our spirit right now, today, that we are his children. And we are his children now. Do you believe that? By that same Holy Spirit, you and I, we cry, Abba, Father. And if we are children, it says, then we are heirs according to the promise. Heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, with Christ. And so scripture also testifies to this forward-looking aspect. The things that we still hope for, and there are things that we still hope for, and are yet unseen. And Romans chapter 8 describes this. Paul the Apostle writes, Not only we, but all of creation is waiting. Eagerly longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, you and I, we have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But it says next, now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And you see, God's purpose for us in Christ is ongoing In time, in the sense of time, his purpose for us is ongoing. But in the mind of God, it's, it's, it's as if it's already all happened. He speaks to those things that be not as though they were. And what do I mean? I, I, I want to read this chapter, or this uh, last passage as we, as we begin to uh, uh, wrap up here this morning with this. But in Romans chapter 8 and 28, uh, verse 28 through 30, we, we're familiar with this passage, but this describes what I'm, what I'm saying here, that we know that for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. And here it is. What's his purpose? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And we have a hope this morning. Amen? And that is our hope. It's a sure hope. He won't fail. He won't. He won't fail. He won't. We sang that this morning already. 
And as we begin to get ready to go to a time of, of music again, I just want to invite the team to come up and get ready again to continue to lead us. But let's rejoice in our hope this morning. Let's remember the hope that we have in Christ. Let's remember this verse that faith is the title deed. Faith is the assurance. Our faith is in Christ and what he did, and that is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Lord, thank you for the purpose, the unchangeable purpose that you have made for us in Christ. Father, we just want to say thank you today. Lord, the apostle said that he abounded in thanksgiving. And Lord, I pray that that would be the reality of our hearts. God, that we would abound in thanksgiving as we remember the foundation and the ground of our faith and the sufficiency of Christ and what he has done for us. Lord, we just want to say thank you today. We want to lift up the songs of praise to honor you, Lord, to thank you for what you've done for us in Christ. Father, we thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen.